What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Oasis Podcast. If you're in the Knoxville, Tennessee area, we'd love to meet you face-to-face on a Wednesday night at our main Park West campus. Make sure to check us out on social media at Oasis PWC to stay up to date on everything going on here so that you can get plugged in and join the Oasis family. I hope that you enjoy this week's message. Let's jump in. Tonight's sermon series, we're titling this um, Facebook Official. And this series is, is close to my heart because we've not done anything relationship-oriented in Oasis. We're, we're coming up on two years of existence, and we've not yet taken any real time to look at uh, relationships. So let me preface a little bit. This is not going to be a series on dating. It's also not going to be a series on marriage. It's kind of all of the above. My goal for the next couple weeks, however long we stay in this, is to give you some legitimate tools for how to navigate the crazy world of relationships. Sometimes that'll look like dating. Sometimes that'll look like um, marriage for those of us that are married and those of us that hope to be there one day. Amen. Amen. uh, we actually, in a couple weeks, we're going to get an opportunity to hear from Pastor Jeremy and Miss Heather. They're going to be in here with us for a night. Um, we're even going to take some time and just look at the healthiness of, of what it looks like to have healthy friendships, even opposite gender friendships, and where there's wisdom and where there's not wisdom. And so we're going to take some time over the next couple weeks and look at the relationships in our lives. With that being said, if you've got your Bibles with you, jump to 1 Timothy We're going to be in chapter 5. While you turn there, I've already said it once, but I'll say it again. If you're new here, welcome home. This is a place where you can encounter the love of God with people that love God and love each other. Uh, Literally, our whole goal is just to get to know God better and to be transformed and to make some awesome friendships in the process. So I'm glad that you're here. Whether it's your first time or your thousandth time, you matter. I love you. Anyway, let's jump into the Word. 1 Timothy chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. The title for our series is Facebook Official, but the title for tonight's message is This is Weird. (laughs) Say it with me real quick. This is weird. One more time for good measure. This is weird. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it does not return to you void, but it accomplishes what it is sent forth to do. God, I ask that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, use me. Whatever you want to say tonight, our answer is just yes. We want to be transformed and we want to leave here making sense of the relationships in our lives. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. This is weird. Dating is weird. Relationships are weird, but dating is really weird. Uh, let me be honest, dating in church culture does not make things less weird. It really doesn't. In fact, sometimes dating in church culture makes things way more complicated. I've got a story for you, and um, full transparency, I have not told Livy that I'm going to share this story. And it's not directly about her, but I haven't told her that I was going to share this story. It's okay, she loves me. A couple years ago... I, I had gone out on a couple dates with this girl, 
and it was not going to work. I knew it wasn't going to work, but we were still trying to figure things out. We were like two or three weeks into talking. Like, we weren't months into a relationship. It wasn't anything like that. But we had gone out on a date or two, and I got asked to come preach for a buddy's youth retreat. And I was like, oh, this is, this is perfect kind of tryout moment. Because in my head, I'm thinking, well, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to preach all the time. I want to travel some. I want to be involved in these kind of things. So I'm thinking, okay, how can we get her on the trip to come see whether or not she can handle ministry life is basically what's going through my head. Well, a couple of my best friends got asked to lead worship and she was involved with their church at the time. So she came to be a part of the worship team. So we did this, this first service, and it was a, a one-night thing, and then we drove back to Knoxville, and the service was really good. God moved. God showed up. Um, I, it was kind of a really powerful moment for me. It was the first time I had ever preached a, a youth retreat outside of our main uh, ministries here at the church. But then things went downhill real quick. We were on our way home. And uh, we had a big, like, church van-style van, and me and my worship leader buddies were there, and we had a couple randoms that came with us. We had some family friends of theirs that came along, one of which was this, uh, a younger girl who at the time was probably 11 or 12 years old. And, um, and again, let me preface, this is before Livy and I were ever talking. This has been a couple years ago now. And for those of you that don't know, this is Livy. She's my fiance. May can't get here quick enough. Amen. Anyway, so we were, we were coming home from this trip, and we've got a bunch of us in this van. And I'm sitting between the girl that I had gone on a couple dates with and this little 11 or 12-year-old girl that, that I love dearly. I, I've known her for years. We stop on the way back home at this gas station. And myself and my buddy go in to, to get some snacks and stuff, and it's we're getting back in the van, and, and between me getting out of the van and getting back into the van, something is tangibly different. The atmosphere in this little church van went from, oh, we led worship together and church was great and God's good and we're all fine, to some really intense tension. And I get back in the van, and I'm sitting between these two girls, and clearly something has gone down between these two girls. I quickly find out, the girl I had dated at the time, she gets her phone out and she starts typing in her notes all of what had just gone down while I was out of the van. She starts telling me the story. She's like, Caleb, while you were getting up to leave the van, I mumbled something about you being cute, and the little girl took offense to it. So as soon as I get out of the van, the little girl looks, looks at her and says, uh, excuse me. I, you can't make this up. And she says, what? And this little girl, I kid you not, she looks this chick that I had gone on a couple dates with, looks her dead in the face, and she said, uh, he's taken. He's supposed to marry Olivia Harris. <laughs> Apparently, Holy Spirit was speaking to that little girl and even her mom long before he was speaking to me. And yeah, and everybody else pretty much knew before I did. <laughs> It's just, it's how it works. What are we going to do? Like half of y'all in the room have known longer than I did too. It's fine. It's totally fine. So I get back in the van. I get back in the van. And this 12-year-old girl has straight told this other chick, it's not going to work out. He's supposed to marry Olivia Harris. So I sit back down in the van and I was like, 
it's like a, a really intense scene from a really bad Christian movie. Like, what? What? Uh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Sometimes dating in the church world is even more confusing than dating in the regular world, especially in a Pentecostal culture. Because we start leaning into this idea that God really said, I'm supposed to marry this person or whatever. So many times I have sat down with people that have said that exact statement. I just, I knew that, that the Lord, the good Lord, he told me when I saw her at youth camp <laughs> that I was going to be with her the rest of my life. And I was like, dog, you said that last year about that other girl, <laughs> like, we got to flesh some things out here. But sometimes it starts getting real messy. Now, Scripture doesn't say a whole, whole lot about dating specifically. So let's talk about love. Because Scripture does say a lot about love. I'm going to read a couple passages as we jump in. John chapter 13, starting in verse 34. A new command I give you, this is Jesus speaking. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Fast forward a couple chapters later in chapter 15 and verse 13. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if you've ever been to a wedding ever, you've more than likely heard this passage. In verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, love Never fails. Scripture has a lot of things to say about what love is. At the end of the day, Jesus is love. So if you're curious or confused about the relationships in your life, your compass is always going to be Jesus' actions. The way he loved, the way he sacrificed himself is always going to set the precedent for what it looks like to love. And as Timothy touched on earlier, it even gives us an, an idea of how to treat the different people in our lives, from the mother-father figure to the brother-sister figure, and what all of that looks like in between. Now again, there's not a whole lot about dating, but there is a whole lot about what love is. So if you'll give me the grace, let me tell you a few things that love is not. If love does not dishonor others, based off of what we've read over the past few scriptures, if love does not dishonor others, stop gossiping about everybody's business. If love is not selfish or self-seeking, stop looking for another person to live as if they were your God. Let me pause on that one for a minute. Some of you are waiting on the right person to show up that's going to make you three meals a day, that's going to prepare everything and love you so great and give you tons of affirmation. It's just going to be as God is giving you somebody at some point that will be your teammate, not Jesus for you. So you got to figure out how to understand that sometimes what you see on the movies of this, this guy, ladies, this guy that sweeps in and he just shows up. You are at work and somehow every day at lunch break he shows up with a flower and a coffee. Every day. Y'all, listen, he'd be broke. <laughs> sometimes we paint this picture of what this is going to look like 
when it's not just that it's romanticized in the movies, it's that it's actually not even biblical. There's an opportunity for you to come alongside somebody to accomplish what God has called you to do. So don't expect them to live as if they're Jesus for you because they're just not. Let me get in your business a little bit. If love treats young women as sisters and young men as brothers, would love indulge in pornography? And it gets real quiet real quick. If love protects, whoo, premarital sex really isn't even a conversation. If love rejoices with truth, why would you lie to try to impress somebody? We laugh when we see it in High School Musical, <laughs> when we see it in all the Disney movies, and so-and-so laughs and tries to make themselves look a certain way, but y'all, it happens in the room. I've got some of you in the room that I love so dearly that I've sat with and talked with, and I'm like, you told them what? That's not real. That's not who you are. you got to be real with somebody. Mm. If love sacrifices, then we may need to take a step back. And process all the relationships in our lives. And discuss if we actually love the people that we say we love. One thing is for sure, relationships can be really stinking complicated, but they don't have to be destructive. Somebody may need to write that one down. Relationships can be really difficult, really tricky, kind of messy, and oh, it can be crazy. But it doesn't have to be destructive. 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to read this passage probably multiple times over the next couple weeks. We opened with it, but let's hit it again. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. I read a, um, a breakdown of this passage where a scholar was saying that this word for um, rebuke here was almost, it's, it's an active word. It's like a physical strike. So what they're saying is, don't verbally abuse the older men in your life. Whether that's your literal father or the elders around you, do not verbally abuse them, but exhort them. Speak life to them. Oh, when was the last time you gave just a word of encouragement to an older man in your life? We don't really do that. And a lot of the re that's culture, because guys aren't supposed to have feelings. <laughs> so in culture, we don't ever think about doing that. But exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Listen, take this, take this scripture, write it down, print it out, post it all over your house, Read it every day, memorize it, quote it, pray it. I genuinely believe, this isn't just like the overboard words of a pastor. I genuinely believe that this one scripture will help you make sense of the majority of the relationships in your life. Because if you will step back and categorize people the way we were just told to in this passage and literally treat them that way, Everything becomes way less messy. The Apostle Paul is who's writing this message. And the context of this is, is pretty interesting. So the Apostle Paul gets radically saved and starts going crazy for Jesus. He goes from town to town and starts planting these churches. People are getting saved all over the place. And he meets this young man named Timothy. And he starts really pouring into him. 
To the point that when Paul leaves the church that he's planted in Ephesus, he sends Timothy to be over that group. And this is a young guy. So first and second, Timothy are letters that the Apostle Paul is writing to this young minister. So when you read some of the scriptures in Timothy, like uh, one of the more famous ones is, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but set an example in purity and in strength and faith. And what he's doing is he's saying, hey, I was there when we prayed for you. And I saw that calling rise up in you and, and that, that new thing rise up in you. And now you're stepping into a whole other level of life. So let me give you some wisdom and some guidance for how you need to handle things. So young men, hear the words of the Apostle Paul. You're stepping into something different. You're making sense of what kind of man you want to be. It's a real thing. Regardless of how old we are in the room, young men, hear the voice of the Apostle Paul. <laughs> this is different. You're stepping into a new you. You've got this drive, this desire, this purpose to be a little different, to step into something a little different. You're figuring out what your calling is, and you're genuinely trying to make decisions on where you're going to put your guardrails, what you're okay with, what you're not okay with, and what you're going to stand up against and fight for. So hear the words of the Apostle Paul. Young man, do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he was your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Young women in the room, hear me. You live in a day and age where it's girl power everywhere, and you can be you, and you can do what you want 100%. Do you, go do life, chase your dreams, go after it. You got to do the same stuff. You got to figure out who you are, what you're going to stand for, what kind of woman you want to be. If you have a desire to be a spouse, 2020 is an interesting time to decide what kind of wife you're going to be. So you got to decide what scriptures you're going to stand on, how you're going to handle your house. And what decisions you're going to make for you now, for your future spouse, for your future children. You're making decisions now to stand confidently in your own identity that will impact you for the rest of your life. So with caution, hear the words of the Apostle Paul. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters. Pause. If the younger women in your life are your sisters, you're not in competition with them. Mm. Relationships can be pretty difficult, but they don't have to be destructive. So print that sucker out <laughs> and remind yourself of it. Because I genuinely believe that a lot of the frustrations that we battle a lot of the tension that we deal with in dating relationships, for, in, in marriages, in, in work relationships, and friendships, and all over the place is because as simple as this is, you don't treat other young men like they're your brothers. You, don't, you, you get all fussy and frustrated when stuff doesn't go the way that you want it to. We don't show honor and respect to our elders as if they were genuinely our own parents. And some of that's with good reason, because some of you have been through some serious stuff with your biological parents, and that makes it pretty hard. But you have a heavenly father. 
that we love and we honor. And Jesus sets an example, even in the way he handles things with the religious mess that he was walking in, for how to honor people and how to love people. I'm going to close in just a minute. I'm going to ask the band to come back up. We talked a little bit about dating relationships, and and I got kind of heavy for a minute. But this is not just about um, a dating relationship or or a, a romantic relationship, but this goes broad in many different ways. You were not created to be alone. It's in our vision statement. You've heard me say it at least twice already tonight. This is a place where you can encounter the love of God with people that love God and love each other. We created this place on purpose because you were not meant to be alone. Genesis chapter 2. And after God has created literally everything, and you can go down the list in the first two chapters, and you can see that he creates something, and he says, oh, that's good. And he creates something, and he says, oh, that's good. Well, then he creates Adam, and the Lord said, it is not good for man to be alone. So I will make a helper suitable for him. God has a plan for you. So single people in the room, let me help you for a second. I cannot tell you what God has prophetically spoken over your life. Okay? But if God has given you a promise, he will fulfill it. I genuinely believe that the desire to be a spouse, the desire to be a parent, the desire to walk in those things is a noble, honorable desire. I believe it's a God-given thing. And that's something you got to flesh out between you and God. But take heart. I had every intention. When I was 14, 15 years old, I had this whole thing mapped out that by like 20, I was going to be married. (laughs) Like that, I just, I had made sense of it in my head. That was what was going to happen and it was going to be fine. And I will share more in the next couple weeks. But because I had that mapped out in my head, I was in two relationships as a teenager that I genuinely thought God was in. I was completely crazy. And thank God neither of those relationships worked out. And I hope they don't listen to the podcast on that. I love them both dearly. But that was not going to work. I had no idea... At 14, 15, then in my mid-20s, mid-20s, some of y'all are like 20, 21, and you're tripping out. I will turn 26 three weeks before I get married. I had no intention of that being the roadmap, but I also had absolutely no idea how worth the weight it was going to be, how much I needed to learn, to get where I needed to be, to be ready for what God has in store for Livy and I now. In Acts chapter 2, there's this crazy outpour of the Holy Spirit. The Pentecostal move is based off of this passage, where 120 people get together in this upper room, they intercede, they pray, and the Holy Spirit shows up, and just this crazy like wind blows through the room, and you've heard this passage, some of you have, a million times. But what's crazy is just a couple chapters after that, In chapter 5, this wild community has birthed out of this move of the Holy Spirit. So in Acts chapter 5, verse 32, all the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had with great power. Everybody say power. The apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus 
And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there was no needy person among them. I am not insinuating that you need to go sell all your stuff and give all your money to other people. I couldn't tell you what the country needs to do in terms of government and money. I, that's just not my, I genuinely don't even have an opinion. I don't know. But when the Holy Spirit shows up, when the power of the Holy Spirit is present, it causes us to take care of each other at a different level. So the Holy Spirit shows up in this upper room experience. It wrecks everybody's life. And what happens? Thousands of people get saved and they just start sharing stuff. <laughs> Because they want to take care of each other. Because this kind of Timothy teaching on brothers and sisters and parents and, let, and taking care of each other just naturally happens. So stand with me real quick as we get ready for worship. You need relationships. If I was to give you a take-home thesis, here's what it would say. While there is a sense of ambiguity to dating and relationships in Scripture, there are a plethora of Scriptures on how to treat each other, and that gives us plenty of guidance as to what is and is not wise in the process of singleness, dating, engagement, and marriage. One more time for good measure, 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. God, we thank you for your word. As we open this, this sermon series with just some scriptures about what you have to say about how to love, I ask that you would convict us in the areas that we have misrepresented love, whether in friendships and dating relationships or just in our thought processing. God, I ask that you would pour out an understanding of your love, of pure love. That first and foremost, we would be able to experience that love that you have for us individually so that everything else can flow from it. So Lord God, every broken heart in the room from failed relationships, thank you for healing even now. Lord God, every, every son or daughter that had to deal with abusive parents, and this scripture gets real difficult real fast because they weren't brought up in a place where it was easy to exhort their father. Thank you for healing and mending hearts. God, where people have been taken advantage of and where mistakes have been made, thank you, Father God, that you are restoring our hearts and minds to see young women and young men as brothers and sisters.